Welcome to another episode of the Monty and Wolf show. And we've got to start off, you know, the the Clid drama, whatever incident that is going on happened after our show last time. We did talk a little bit about it on Summoning Insight, but uh, we we should address that now because the result of what happened with Clid is now that Grizzly is starting. We said this is going to be the big week that we talk about Hanma life, obviously, because they were facing some real opponents. Tragically, they had to use Grizzly, although Grizzly in the second match actually looked kind of good. Um, He's got hands. He's got hands, uh, which was which was interesting. Um, so let's start there. So for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Clid. Uh, uh, so allegedly what has happened is that there were some DMs that were leaked from a, a couple of female fans now where he was uh, basically being very sexually aggressive to them. We don't know if this translated into actions or not. It seems like there's some sort of investigation going on right now. Uh, but there's some details that have been made public without any kind of investigation or confirmation. As a result, Clid has been benched, I assume, until this investigation concludes. Right, Wolf? What's the Yeah, what's so, the I mean, essentially right now, um, because of those somewhat inappropriate text messages that were leaked, um, Hanwa is, is doing an ongoing investigation. They've been very quiet uh, about this, whereas Shadow Corp, his agency, um, has made a statement basically saying, like, kind of defending him, but also not really, like, kind of throwing him under the bus on one hand, but also kind of saying, like, okay, well, like, he didn't intend for this to be really messed up. Uh, kind of protecting themselves, it seemed like, overall. Um, and they also, like, released some of the personal information of the the person in the Kakao uh, Talk screenshot. And Kakao Talk is basically, like, WhatsApp for Korea. Um... And then the fans have been pretty upset about it. Um, obviously, the Korean fans have, have sent a truck. You guys have probably seen the news about this, basically asking for Hanwa and LCK to come clean and actually like make statements about this because the LCK also hasn't said anything about this. Um, and so, you know, people are generally unhappy. I think the Western the Western side of things, obviously, you guys probably are more familiar with that, but people are pretty unhappy. Um, and you've had reporters like Ashley, like really grilling Hanwha Life esports like every day that they appear. Um, and finally they gave a statement to Ashley yesterday saying that they have no statement to give yet. Um, but th th at least they <laughs> answered. So, um, I'm not really surprised that Hanwha is, is trying to, to get the facts straight of this, um, because we have had in the past, uh, some of these situations where, um, players, are accused of something like this and it actually not, that ends up not coming true. Um, so, you know, before like completely condemning Clid, they want to make sure they get like all of the facts straight, I guess. Um, although based on what the agency said, he seems likely guilty of at least some of those messages that were shown because they kind of claimed that already. Uh, and additionally, like um, in Korea, there are really strong anti-defamation laws. And what that means is that if you actually, as Hanwha Life, for example, say that um, you're benching Clid or you're firing Clid because he did these inappropriate things, um, first of all, like the, the that may or may not be true, and then you could get in big trouble there. But also, even if it is true, you have to be really careful about what you say about Clid and why you fire him because Clid could then potentially sue you. Um, so, so this so is guys, a, a big uh, issue. Yeah. So it, just to be clear, in Korea, anti-defamation. You can lose even if you are telling the truth about somebody. Yeah. So if you defame somebody about horrible things that they did, they can sue you and win, which is right. very unique to Korea. Not it's one of the things I really don't like about Korea. It creates um, a lot of problems. Yeah. And and meanwhile, like obviously in the United States, if and many Western countries, but especially in the United States, anti-defamation, you would have to actually prove damages. Um, it would have to be proven like basically willfully false as if you were willfully slandering someone if you were wrong, um, which is obviously extremely hard to do. Uh, so it's really, really different uh, in Korea. And yeah, that that means I mean, we just don't have enough information about what's going on. And until there is actually an investigation that occurs either via the press, whether that's going to be Ashley Kang or Korean media that are doing that, or if it's going to be the LCK or if it's going to be Hanwha themselves, we just don't have enough information. And all we have are kind of some t texts that were leaked on Twitter. So. Yeah. So like, at this point in time, like, you know, it's hard to delve into exactly what it means, but. We know that obviously Hanwa is playing with Grizzly. Um, 
which we knew about uh, the casters. We were told like basically the day of because we asked like, okay, who's going to play tomorrow? Because I wanted to know. I actually changed my predictions based on this because I actually had uh, Hanwha beating D+. <laughs> but then when I saw Grizzlies come in, I was like, no, I'm going D+. I, I actually I changed my prediction because I was like, well, I, I mean, I know this, so I'm going to change my prediction. And um, and then uh, obviously like going into the situation, Grizzly looked pretty bad in the first match, but the second match looked a little bit better. But it's really stressful for Hanwha because A, you're losing these matches now that are really important and we're also maybe going to be a week where you really bounced back. And then B, you have all of this like, PR and stuff. It's, it's attacking the players who aren't even involved in this, attacking the org. And then you also have like, if Grizzly continues to fail, if he struggles or if he looks bad, you've devalued this player you may want to potentially sell to other regions who is like kind of a rising star suddenly in challenges, right. but then he looks bad and it's like, oh man, you're I, just losing on every way. <laughs> all right. I, I don't think he's looked bad to be fair. Um, uh, yeah. But if he did, right. And he did, he didn't look great in the first series. You know, I think the first series is forgivable. We'll we'll get into that because we did say we'd talk about about Hanwha this week. Um, but speaking of changing your predictions, Wolf, uh, actually on Competitive Edge, which Thorne and I do for the esports bet channel, uh, I put a- an actual prediction on uh, D plus Kia to win because they had like one point seven odds, and I thought you know even if they didn't make a substitute a substitution for Clid, like this would have completely destabilized this team internally because every time this happens, guys, you have to cancel scrims. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Like even if Clid does play potentially, like it's probably not going to be the first thing on his mind playing well in the game. It's going to affect his play. So there were there were actually opportunities, uh, you know, for for D plus to win. So, by the way, shout out to Esports Bet, and you can go check out Competitive Edge on their YouTube channel. And in LCK this week, we actually do have another Last Free Nation match of the week. It's going to be T1 versus Gen G, which is very exciting. And if you use our referral code, which you can see below, uh, and you can click on down below, if you sign up with that, not only can you get a 50% deposit bonus up to $100 or a $100 risk-free first bet, you can also, every time we have a match of the week for Last Free Nation, which is going to be every week until the end of Worlds, guys, uh, you can get an extra 10% if you predict correctly. So an extra 10% winnings on our match of the week. So that's where you want to sign up. Pick, uh, by the way, spoiler, guys, pick Gen G. That's, that's who you should be picking. Yeah. should definitely be picking Gen G. And you can probably get good odds, too. You can probably get no good reason. odds because T1 already, <laughs> like, like I said, about the KT match, guys. I, KT, people got KT at, like, over 3. I got them at two, 2.8. It was a crazy good day. And if you, if you got them at those odds and you got an extra 10%, you made a lot of money. So uh, pick Gen G. Definitely, definitely pick Gen G. Uh, you will get good odds. And yeah, that was a great time to do that. Remember, you can't get over $100 USDT uh, or its equivalent in DJT or another cryptocurrency as the 10%. So there is a, there's a cap on that. And it only counts on your first wager. So don't do it like 10 times, guys. It only counts on the first one, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Anyway. Obviously. <laughs> so there you go. Um, thank you to Esports Bet. And yeah, so let's talk, about, let's talk about Grizzly a little bit. Um, so y- you actually have been casting a lot of challengers, so you can give us some context, because I have not been watching challengers. So I have to a, watch all these other regions, so I don't do that. Um, so tell us player, about Grizzly. He's a player who's pretty good at, like, engaged support, or sorry, engaged junglers, and he likes his Viego. He also likes Lee Sin quite a bit. Um, and... He hasn't played like the entire time in challengers because he's been splitting time with Guan, the other challengers jungler. But it seems like Hanwha has kind of considered him to be the better jungler right now based on internal scrim results, and he's looking better for them um, in challengers. And like some people are, would make the case right now that Hanwha's challengers team is the second best uh, behind D plus Kia's challengers team. Um, KT's dropped off a little bit in challengers. DRX is looking a little bit shaky, even though none of those players got pulled up to the main roster they went from academy for some reason so drx's roster is like still the same they had the mvp from last season but just to give context to like where hanwa is in challengers like they're pretty high up um i'd say most people put them at least in top three right now so he's a he's a top three jungler in challengers because he's replaced guan and i think that he's a player that is pretty good at mechanical plays and his gank timings are generally not as crisp as like how he executes them if that makes sense uh, we often talk about players like as junglers, especially on this show, as brain junglers or hands junglers. Um, he's definitely in the hands junglers uh, s- section right now. 
Uh, I think in that second series that that happened yesterday with Hanwha Life against Shinji, he definitely left his bottom lane out to dry when he needed to be there for them. Um, and Pinot get to got to run that uh, lane. So you know sometimes he does nothing and like is on Raptors while his entire team is falling apart. But then sometimes he defeats the entire team on Viego and transforms into five champions and wins the fight. So uh, it looks good mechanically on all those five champions too. I think that Hanwa thinks very highly of him. So at least they are fortunate in that it's one of their stronger players they can actually pull up, um, you know, scandal aside. Like, they actually have a decent replacement, and he has performed decently well enough. Uh, and also, Grizzly is a player who, who seemingly is pretty... I mean, I don't, I'm just assuming this based on seeing him on camera, like the camera interactions with him. He seems pretty friendly. He seems pretty, like you know, good mindset player. He's not like one of some, you have a bunch of challengers players who are super shy or super, super nervous or don't communicate a lot. He doesn't seem like that. He seems like a pretty outgoing guy. seems like he gets along with people pretty well. That's just my assumption. I could be totally wrong about that. But when it, when you see him on stage, he, he doesn't look like he sticks out like a sore thumb, like some of the other substitutes we've seen, like when Lospa played during the, the COVID era for Gen G. Um, he had a one good game at Alistair, whatever, but you know, he looked like he was like, Oh my God, I'm playing LCK. This is really stressful. A Grizzly looked like he just slotted kind of right in. I don't feel like he had too many nerve issues or anything like that. So maybe he ends up being the replacement for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I could see it happening. It depends on what happens with Clid and what uh, Hanwha Life decide to do with all the fan pressure. It's hard to imagine a world where Clid comes back to play this season. Um, and the LCK may not even allow that, so I don't know what will happen, but I, I feel like if he plays for the rest of the season, maybe he can get to a level of play to where he can gel with this team, and maybe they can close out the second round robin on a high note, potentially, but I think it's going to take time. The other thing is, Clid, he wasn't that great anyways, so like, you know, it's it, <laughs> he had some highs, but they weren't they were not well, frequent. Yeah, I, I mean, he he certainly made like a lot of individual mistakes, but the argument was that he's the shot caller of the Hanwha Life roster. So are they going to be hurt more significantly uh, in terms of late game macro or objective control? I mean, they were up, they were arguably hurt by this because Clid would frequently int on objectives. Uh, but is that do you think going to be a big part of this? Because King and Zeka were not the biggest voices of DRX when they won Worlds last year. That was like that was Barrel, right? And he long has been that kind of authoritative shot caller on those rosters. And so are King and Zeka used to playing in a more collaborative shot calling style, or is Grizzly, who's a rookie, going to be able to fill that gap? It seems rather unlikely. I, I it does seem unlikely to me too because when you look at King and Zeko when they were on DRX it was like you have Pioshik who's very vocal and you have Deft who also is at times not always but at times is very vocal as well and seems to be doing a lot of shot calling um and at least like judgmental calls like on whether the objectives will be done or not or like whether they think they can win team fights or not just based on comms we've seen uh so I think this is an opportunity for Zeka and Kingen to really change their role within the team now that the main shot caller is gone and maybe they could show some of their um their veteran backgrounds viper obviously as well um might try to change the team atmosphere around playing through bottom side a little bit more um and i said this on on the uh, analyst desk after that gen g series but i really feel like the way that d plus is winning with deft and playing through deft like hanwa should just do that right now because like they can play through viper and put him on draven and put him on even Lucian, even though Lucian's not that strong right now, or try to get him ahead on Aphelios and try to play tempo around that with some level six timing and stuff like that. I think maybe that's the way you play because Kingen, he's probably not going to be the guy you can play through right now. A lot, a lot of teams are finding success playing through top with Sejuani Renekton, um, with Jax. I don't think that this is going to be the way that Kingen finds a lot of success, unfortunately. So I want to see that the, they play through Viper a little bit more, maybe kind of tell Grizzly, like, you're playing through Viper now. This is a Viper-oriented team now, completely. Because it was before, but like almost by accident, because they never really empowered him. But it's like, no, now it is a Viper-based team only. Like, D-plus is a Deft-based team only. Needs to be. Well, I, you know, and that's what's so confusing, I think, about Hama Life, is because we're still not seeing that, right? You know, it was back to Kingen playing Jax. Like, Kingen, for those of you who didn't watch Just Worlds last year, Kingen's best champion was Orn last year on the whole super good 
super good Orn player <laughs> at times. Uh, we we got to see all of those like flash Orn alts and, and and everything like that. But this is a guy who needs to be playing weak side. He is not the hard carry of this team. He's a decent he, scion, you know. He could play a scion for you. You could sit there, take it. But it is baffling, Wolf, that this team has not yet figured out how to play around Viper. And even though I think that the the series versus Gen G was surprisingly close, uh, part of that again was Gen G making some mistakes. Um, but at Toby the end wasn't of the day, there, man, he didn't show up. So, <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I mean, his his LeBlanc was good. His LeBlanc was good uh, in game number one. His Azir was uh, game number two. Um, but yeah, I think I think it is very fascinating that they haven't yet figured out in a a meta that is so ADC dependent how to properly play around Viper, especially because Viper is still extremely good. Yeah, and he, he that, really is. I mean, I think that's what's so crazy is you know the first game of Gen G versus Hanma Life, Viper did an insane job of like dodging the the level three stacked wave tower dive and getting some good value out of that, and then having some effect on the kind of mid to late game team fights uh, on the Kaisa, which is a champion that's on the up and up right now. I mean, remember in spring too, we were, it was around like maybe week four or so, like it was around this time when Hanwha Life started to play front to back and they started to actually play like Orn and Sion and just front to back for Viper. And we were like, oh, they figured it out. They're doing it. Like, they did it. <laughs> and then somehow we forgot it. And now we're back to not doing it again. Um, and yeah, it's not the greatest meta ever for, uh, you know, just straight up playing tanks topside. Like, we are oftentimes seeing that that Renekton versus Jack sidelining is a big thing. Um, and we're even seeing, like, Renekton take Demolish because he can sideline really well. We're seeing a little bit of return of Hullbreaker Nar from Zaius, right? Like, top lane has to have an impact um, to set up on objectives. Like, you have to be able to be a threat in sides a little bit. Renekton, I think is the biggest offender of this because he needs to get ahead with Sejuani. Otherwise, like, why are you playing this champion? Because even though he has Demolish, he's not going to do as much. But anyway, we're seeing that be, like, the dominant force rather than playing Scion, rather than playing Orn on the top side. We're seeing a little bit less Gragas because he got nerfed, but, you know, he's kind of the, the default weak side but can still engage champion. He's kind of like the middle ground. Um, I'd rather see Kingan on Gragas, Scion, or Orn than see him on Renekton, unfortunately, or um, the Jax because... It's just not his strong suit. Team doesn't know how to play around that. Then if Viper falls behind or even just goes straight up even, even if he is gets no resources and stays even, then, you know, you can still win, but, like, why aren't you playing to win hard? Like, why aren't you playing to actually get your strongest player to to a great spot is is the real question. And it's just strange because I get it now that you, you have Grizzly in here. Things get a little bit weird, like you're priority is going to be all over the place in terms of where you're going on the map and you want to play comfort picks for grizzly but it feels like you could have just told grizzly like we're playing through bottom side like just cover bottom like let king and go um and we're going to put him on a tank and then it actually just becomes a simpler problem because you your jungler is focused on one part of the map not you know completely but primarily and then his job becomes simpler because he's not playing reactionary whereas they put him in a position where he had to play reactionary and he couldn't quite figure it out, you know, and, and Peanut's a way better jungler than he is. So, you know, well, I, I think I think actually, at least in the first game, because remember, this is I, I was fucking loving this wolf because there's nothing I love more than some peanut level one poppy flash shenanigans uh, or flashing over a, a dragon pit wall. Like the way that he set up to try and catch them out by flashing a wall into a brush and then waiting till Hex Flash came up and then Hex Flashing to try and invade at their blue was really good. And I mean, it makes sense. This is how you destabilize a rookie jungler if you're going into that game. But in spite of the aggressive approach, they didn't get anything from it. And Grizzly, I thought, did a really good job of reacting to what was going on by counter jungling and kind of playing playing opposite sides of the map. And that's a tough situation for a player to be in in his third professional yeah. game. I mean, Peanut really was, I mean, the game plan was definitely like, all right, let's wreck the rookie. Uh, and yeah. they, they they did, um, even though the level one, like you said, didn't end up successful, the follow-up ganks, um, they were, and, you know, Grizzly wasn't there to cover. Like, he was on Raptors when they had that dive that was really successful bottom side where Delight actually, you know, hard carried on the Rakan and came in and they got those kills. Like, that's... That's, you know, one of those things where you feel pressure because you know that Peanut's pushing in hard all the time and you want to try to counter jungle and get some money. 
Um, but also, like, if you just stay down there and prevent that from happening, then Viper does better, and then you have a better win condition, right? So it's hard to know these things. And also, even though we are, like, Grizzly didn't know, like, the Viper's the greatest and, like, they should play through him. But, like, Hanwa doesn't know that, like, Viper's the greatest and they should play with him. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you just have to wait till Viper gets freed from this roster at this point in time. But at least, you know, at least this happened before the second round Robin started. Because it's not like there is a definitive, even basically i would argue potentially with how t1 is playing even third place team right now and there's certainly no no definitive fourth place team because both d plus kia and hanwa have been a little bit ropey and i'm not going to read too much into d plus's win over a brand new jungle player in his first matches right yeah um especially because they probably didn't even have much time to play with him because the clid information was just so sudden they may have had zero scrims with this guy like I before that probably. match happened Probably zero scrims um, is is the is the likely answer because like why would he be scrimming with them um, right. especially with Clid being the shot caller so another thing that I guess could happen but would have to happen like within the next day or two like may, might already be too late now is Hanwa could try to sign a replacement jungler before round two because round two is the middle of next week. Dread. Honestly, I don't, I don't see why you do that. It, Grizzly, I think, had some really standout moments, particularly on the Viego, getting the triple kill around the dragon. Like, you sure, can see sure. the upside to this guy. No, I mean, like, he has hands, and, like, you know, any other jungler you get is going to also have the same problems in terms of, like, working with the team because he's going to be coming in the last second in the second round Robin um, and will not have the ability to, to gel with the team instantly either. So why not invest in a player that's already part of your org who could potentially translate into, if he can figure it out, like moving up into the org next year with maybe some of these players, if, if the team stays together, my money is on, it's definitely not going to happen, but uh, they could sign somebody. I don't think they will because it costs money and there's right. very few free agents. Like Dread's the only one that really comes to mind as a standout pick that's that's available right now that has experience. So, And if Grizzly's going to look halfway decent, you might as well roll the dice on him and see if you can get anything together. Like I said, especially because you have a you have a more than a round robin to get your shit together at this point in time, which should be enough time. And it's not like the competition is incredibly fierce. You would still you would still say that Hanwa have a very at least like probably a 50 50 shot of making worlds yeah i mean i think at this point that's really concerning to say but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, true, it's true though it's not, not a good it's true I mean, it's, no, it's no, true it's like, we don't like it we don't like to say it but it is true <laughs> you know i think i think genji and kt are looking relatively good i think kt is looking the best genji still has some flaws but should be you know, certainly good enough to make top four. T1's likely in that boat as well. So unless you have, unless you believe in some insane uh, overperformance by like Kwangdong or probably Breon at this point in time, honestly, you know, it's pretty yeah. much between D plus and Hanwa for that fourth spot. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it is. Um, <laughs> it's not a great look for Korea guys. Look, it's not <laughs> good. Know? It's not good. I'll be honest with you guys. It, I'm I'm not feeling very good about our chances. Um, uh, yeah, at Worlds, I mean, I'm no. watching T1 play, and I'm like, ooh, that's not it. I'm watching <laughs> Hanwha and D+, I'm like, ooh. I'm watching Gen G sometimes, even a wins, and I'm like, maybe we tighten this up a little bit. Like, <laughs> It's okay. KT is Korea's, Korea's big hope. I mean, especially if, uh, if you saw LNG's game this last week, it's like, uh-oh. Well, if LNG also has gotten their shit together at this point in time, like, how stacked is LPL? Uh, it's going to be, I think the top four from LPL are going to be absolutely insane, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit ropey. I think for LCK this year, especially with at this least, problem, at least they got a bad Asia games team and maybe we can get some of these players military exception. <laughs> That's true. They did get a weirdly bad Asian games team, whereas Korea's Asian games team has ruler on it. So they stole got... ruler in Kanavi. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's always hope there, at least. There's That's always the international hope. Win. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Faker a little bit, because there was also some 
kind of troubling news that's come out about Faker's hand and uh, an alleged injury that stretches back to the Breon match in week number two. And certainly I would say Faker did not look 100% this week. And I would argue that this split, he I think he had an outstanding spring split and he hasn't really lived up to that so far in the summer. Yeah, he, he had, so there's, unfortunately for him, like he's having a bit of a rough split and he had some signs like we were kind of wondering about it like last week we were like he looks like he might ha- maybe have like a little bit of pain in his wrist or in his arm because you just looked like he when you just look at his hands when he's playing or you also look at him walking around like he's grabbing his arm and it felt like okay maybe mm-hmm. something's going on this happens a lot in korean esports where players practice for hours and hours and hours right and play for extended periods of time like longer career games like starcraft and league of legends where those careers are much longer than for example overwatch um, and those games are also much more mechanically demanding in terms of what you have to do with your, your fingers and your hands and your wrists um, than, than a lot of other games. I think like, those problems could occur in Overwatch, like if you played for five, six years nonstop, but that w- wasn't really the case in Korea. Um, yeah, it's so- also uh, it, FPS in general, um, it, you know, you tend to use more of your, you know, whole arm for FPS aiming and you don't move your left hand very much. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously in League and StarCraft, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of small movement that's happening with both hands simultaneously as you're moving it on the keyboard and also moving your mouse, mostly with your wrist. Yeah. So it's smaller movements, and that's the problem. Um nobody knows exactly what, what happened, like, but I, the assumption is some sort of carpal tunnel um is what like people are thinking is, is going on, but he made a statement. Um, basically to the press saying that like, yeah, he's been feeling bad since the bro match, which was almost like three weeks ago, um, you know, two and a half weeks ago or so. So that explains some of the play. The Korean fans have been less than uh, enthusiastic about Faker's play uh, recently. And, uh, you know, I was I was actually watching the play and, and then looking online and see what people were saying because it, it looked really rough around the edges this week in particular. But I'm glad he made a statement about it because Faker is the kind of guy who usually kind of keeps that stuff to himself. He doesn't want to make excuses, even though it's, like, not an excuse, you know? It's just his physical condition. Um, But, yeah, uh, people who were in the press room told me that, like, he was, like, unable to, like, lift his arm or unwilling to lift his arm when he went into that interview and was kind of, like, holding it to the side. Mm. So it sounds like he's really uh, struggling quite a bit. And I think they even said, I mean, this, this is the word that was on the street, like, before the interview came out, but I think he even said that they're considering, like, can I continue playing over the next few weeks or do we need to find someone else oh boy and right now the only player who's really eligible is sky um one of their coaches who is on the roster officially in case of emergencies and they listed him as such so that he can play and be eligible and poby the challengers mid is not as good as sky (laughs) let's just say (laughs) for you for those of you who don't know T1's challenger team is the second. They're ranked eighth place out of 10 right now, and they have a record of two and six, and they have two mid laners, which are Poby and Nice. And I know nothing about these guys, so you tell me about Nice. Is, nice is... So Poby replaced Bay. So Bay was the mid laner for T1 challengers, which is weird because, you know what, Bay was on Nongshim for a while, then he went to PCS, um, and then... He came back to Korea, played on Challengers, which is weird because you usually don't invest in players like this in Challengers, but I think T1 just wanted to have somebody who has some experience there. Um, he was there. Then he's gone now. Poby's there. Poby is, to put it nicely, like he's pretty green. He is not great. Um, he's He's a very weak player at the moment, and he gets crushed by almost everybody in lane, um, and his team fighting is not good. Nice is a player who plays under him, and I haven't actually had the opportunity to cast any nice games yet. I think he played like maybe two this season, um, as Chronicle was mentioning him to me. He doesn't look good either, but he is also playing under Poby, who is definitely not good. So, like, this is not like this is not even like a okay, like Faker's way better than Closer, but like, you know, we'll see. It's not like that. It's like Faker is like a million times better, even at his low form he's at right now, than Poby. So, it's just not, and, and so then nice being under Poby means it's just not going to happen. Like these players can't play in the LCK well, right now. It's also it's also that we know that you know Faker and Carrie are the biggest voices on this team, and 
what Faker lacks in potentially mechanical acumen at this point in career, he's making up for in terms of game knowledge and shot calling abilities and serving as kind of an in-game coach uh, for the most part. So I think it's really difficult to replace him because without him, the entire shot calling apparatus basically collapses from within in T1. So we've had a lot of players who've gone through wrist problems in the past, like very serious ones, um, end up recovering. I think Flash is probably the most sure, notable yeah, yeah. example. He had really bad wrist problems. And, he, and for those who don't know, Flash is basically like the faker of, of StarCraft Brood War. Like he played for a really long time. He was at the top basically throughout his entire career. Um, and by, by the end of it, I mean, he's had some scandals and stuff recently, and he's not like the king of StarCraft so much so anymore. Just got out of the military. But like at the end of his career, before he went to the military, he was winning everything so hard he got bored. He switched to random um, and was like playing tournaments as random to see if instead he, of if, like, Terran, he would still which was win his normal race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he he's a he's a player who's been very successful, right? Even after his wrist issues, when he famously got surgery to actually fix his wrist and and work get work done on his carpal tunnel, so he ended up recovering very well and like he's fine. Faker may have to do something similar. I hope not. You know, nobody wants to have to get surgery. Nobody wants to have to go through these things. Maybe he needs some time off, and then the rest will be good enough. Because considering how long Faker's career is, um, or has been, and how long he's been at the top, the fact that this is only really affecting him so much that he's speaking publicly about it now means Which is that maybe 10 he actually... years after his debut. It's actually impressive that it's taken this long, Wolf, in many yeah, ways. That, that's what I'm saying. So like, maybe actually something really did go wrong. Like, maybe he did something to his wrist in a bad way in that Breon series and like really hurt himself. And he actually needs just a few weeks and then he's actually going to be back to normal because it seems like he's taking care of his wrists very well. And obviously he has T1, which is an insanely good support staff for, for the players and make sure they're always healthy and, and stuff like that. Um, so maybe he just takes two weeks off and we have awkward two weeks with sky or hopefully not Poby. Um, and then fakers recovered and he comes back and then, he continues to take care of his wrists and like, it's not an ongoing um, chronic problem. That's my hope. That's what I hope happens. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see, but I think Baker, he said he's undergoing treatment right now and he's got the, the long weekend to, to prepare before they go into their matches next week. Fingers crossed. Maybe he just feels better and he plays, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Yeah. And that, that obviously could really mix up the standings as well. Uh, not that Faker has been outstanding, but just because it, it would be very difficult with their current group of players to e replace even a less than ideal performing Faker uh, within this roster. So I think it'd be, it'd be quite tough. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I think it probably explains part of his underperformances because some of them, some of the issues were like mechanical, which is something that you almost never say about Faker. Like, yeah, he, really he did look a little rough, especially in game two versus D plus like uh, the LeBlanc because he's I don't think his decision making was necessarily that bad, but it, it really did look a little awkward mechanically sometimes. Um, but they did defeat D plus uh, they did. They did take them down. So and then they they had a rougher match against Nongshim, but I'm not sure how much they really prepared for that one in particular. Could have been a little bit of a trap game for them, but probably anticipated an easier opponent. I think the Nila game, that one was the, the first game, the one that Nongshim actually won. That was a game that T1 kind of walked into underprepared and didn't really know how to deal with the comp, which is weird because they it was even Nila? like one of... Yeah, exactly. It was like <laughs> our point of the match that like, Guma plays Nila and Ju plays Nila. Will we see Nila today? And I was like rolling my eyes like, it's probably not going to happen today, but we're forcing this this uh, this narrative, right? And then actually it happened. Ju plays it and then the team looked lost against it. And I mean, Gio had a great game. Like Nongshim overperformed at the same time as T1 underperformed. But Caria had a really weak series, and he was which playing is surprising because Caria had a very good series against D plus. So yeah. he just kind of, you know, one good, one bad this past week. I thought his engages in the D plus series were mostly on point, but the Nongshim series he was definitely struggling. And he, I mean, he tried to um, play Brom like an engaged champion to, to save the game and. It was unfortunately not the right play. And then he had some good plays on Rel later on in the series. Like, he, he wasn't, like, all rough around the edges. Like, he had some some diamond in the rough uh, moments, let's say, in that series. But he looked a little bit frustrated. The whole team looked a little bit angry um, about how things were going down. Luckily, they were able to take the win in the end because Zayas popped off on Nar, and uh, it was okay in the end. But 
that series did not fill me with hope that C1, even if we just pretend like not only is Faker no wrist issues and also and also he's playing at his peak form from spring, like um okay, let's not say that. But like he's playing <laughs> at least like he's not playing badly, okay? He's not having the issues he's had this week. If Faker is normal and the rest of the team is playing like they are, I don't think they beat Genji. I don't think they take a game. Genji just looks way better than them. So now when you add all these issues and coming off of that rocky loss or near loss to Nongshim, game loss, uh, I think they could beat DRX, but Genji, <laughs> I think that's that's a bridge too far right now. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about one of the teams that we haven't really discussed yet so far this split. Uh, as we we kind of close in on the halfway mark of the season this next week, which is everybody's favorite OK Savings Bank Breon, everybody's favorite meme team, because in spite of the fact that this team is towards the bottom of the standings, they are two and six tied with DRX for eighth place. They have looked better than a two and six team would, yeah. I would say. And you, what's frustrating about this team is you feel like they are kind of close to being actually maybe sort of middle of the pack good, but they can't help themselves in terms of losing or mispositioning in the late game and throwing, which teams like Gen G will absolutely take advantage of if you give them that opportunity. The thing about this team is there's the early game, which they do very well at, and sometimes they do it based on winning skirmishes where they'll actually just outplay in a skirmish. And then you see Karis do something crazy on his ear Karis or something is back and you're like this week too yeah. which which uh you know they've been sw swapping out the old mid laners and then you see Karis do something like pretty incredible and you're like what like where why is he not do this all the time but then they'll win some crazy clutch fight and then take a massive lead then do it again and then start pushing those advantages into the lanes and then suddenly like Brion's 1000 gold lead goes to a 3000 gold lead 3500 <laughs> and then they've got map control they're like sitting on soul point they got vision on baron and then they just just kind of sit there. They're like, they're like, let's put more wards on the other side of Baron. There's like 18 wards behind Baron. I'm like, you guys could just like start like you put that there so that you can see them coming. So then you can turn while but, you're doing Baron. But, but wait, Wolf, what if they picked Callista, right? And then they just didn't do Baron when they had the opportunity and they waited for Gen G to kind of scale. And then Umti would just try to get himself caught like as many times as possible until he dies. And then Genji takes the Baron and kills you. What if they did that instead? <laughs> I, I I legitimately think I was telling I was telling people if Kwangdong doesn't make playoffs, I think it's going to be because Bro makes playoffs. Um, but they're gonna they've got a lot of climbing to do. But if they I, actually. I have... I have such a I have such a love hate relationship with Umti. <laughs> he if he play I mean if he plays his early games well and then they actually turn those leads into wins, which the coaching staff, by the way, I've spoken with, they're very aware of of the problem. <laughs> like you you could see them. Like I've spoken with them. You see them and they're like, oh, like they're so mad. Like but they're also just like, well, we did all the plan correctly, but then I can't get these guys to actually like kill the baron and then and then turn on the dude when, when you won't kill the baron with a massive lead in Callista, where there's like a zero percent chance that you actually flip the baron it is just mind-boggling to me it is mind-boggling <laughs> but then but like, then like imagine it well well imagine imagine being breon and having poppy and Callista. so you literally have something better than smite to kill the baron and you have a poppy just in case somebody gets in there just in the also from smite. the pit <laughs> you also have smite as well so so you have what, smite the fuck, what the fuck and a huge lead man and you have and you have vision around the baron and you have waves <laughs> with a prio in top and mid and what but if they like, what, if, what if they had both elder and baron <laughs> and then lost so the thing, the thing is, like that they'll also do, which is the the part that, like the waiting part, is really annoying. But the the more annoying part to me is that they'll at some point, and I think Umpty is the one who does this. They'll wait for a long time and like lose some of their advantages, and then they'll suddenly make a decisive bad call. They'll be like, you know what? Umpty okay, just gets now we're gonna somewhere. do Baron. I'm like, no, you can't. This is the one time you can't do it. This is not the time. They'll be like, oh, we waited too long. We gotta do it now. I'm like, well, now you don't have vision. Now you don't have the wave in mid, and you're like, 
let's start it i guess i'm like no 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 no. you had to do that a while ago now you actually my favorite my favorite one is that when they get vision control and then they lose the vision control and then umzi just walks into now an unwarded jungle and dies and then they lose the game (laughs) it makes me mad it makes me mad it makes me mad and sad but i also know i think we have to acknowledge that this team legit could be good um like i don't think they're gonna they're, they're not going to worlds okay but they legit could be they're a playoff team. They're not a two team. and six team. They're not a two and they're six not team. a two and six team. They're not a two and six team. I think they honestly are on par with Guangdong, if not better. And if they had won some of these upset matches in the tough schedule, like if they had taken games off of Genji, even single games, that's going to help their their game score. If they end up like tying later on, but they they could have been the team that goes to playoffs instead. And we've seen this team in the past go to playoffs. We've seen this team punch up. We've seen this team take out D plus earlier in the season. And it's just D plus with a turn that into consistency, please. Giant asterisk. D plus with a sub. <laughs> yeah. True. But they did it nonetheless. <laughs> well, they, they now beat DRX. You know what? I feel bad for them, Wolf. Because next week they have to play KT twice. In twice, a row. yeah. <laughs> they literally have to play KT twice in three days, which is, I think, not going to turn out well for them. By the way, if that's how if that's how your schedule ends up ends up with a random draw, I think there should be a rule against playing back to back matches in the round robin. Like if it happens, it has to switch because it is it's going to be brutal for for Brian to to just back to back KT like that. It is it has happened before. Like yeah. there was that famous year where it was like the telecom back to back. I think actually yep. it might have even been telecom back to back when one of the seasons I was in as well, but there was that OGN season. It was 2017, I think, um where the this game was super crazy and long and really hype. Um but yeah, it it does happen, but it shouldn't necessarily happen, but it's it's tough because then you got to redo the whole schedule and you might get it. Might get it again. I, I'm kind of like okay with it, but it just sucks for Bro in this case. If it was Bro against Nongshim twice, we'd be like, "Oh, nice! Like chances, double chances." But yeah, you know, I just feel not. bad because overwhelmingly they're just going to be two and eight, and then they're we're going to be saying this is not a two and eight team, just like they weren't a two and six team. They just got <laughs> mega unlucky, <laughs> you know, <laughs> got mega unlucky. Or Bro actually are Omega Giga Chads and beat KT. <laughs> I, I'm not going <laughs> to expect hope, that. Uh, yeah, I, I would be I would be entertained if that happened. Um, by by the way, that that first match they played against DRX was actually super entertaining because Umti played Skarner, and I thought they did pretty well with the Skarner pick overall. Uh, it, it took them forever to win that game because even though they had massive leads, they refused to win, like we we're talking about. I mean, for 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 a team that was, I mean, for a team that only died four times, the fact that it took them thirty four minutes to win that game is is kind of illegal. Yeah, it was. Hmm. So the the scar the first Skarner game, I'm like, oh, this is perfect for this comp. Like they want to come into you. You can turn those engages. You can grab the Yone. The yeah. second Skarner, I was like, you guys, you did know why the Skarner was good in game one, right? <laughs> because I because if you're playing it here, I think you didn't know why it was good in game one. Actually, yeah. And was- I mean, like Edgar has had some question mark drafts uh, sometimes. But overall, I think he's he's really smart, um, and he actually does know what are good drafts. His team doesn't always know how to use them in the late game, but I think he's pretty good at drafting, but I didn't really like that game to draft. They figured it out in the end against DRX and took that win. But it's like, how could you almost beat Genji, but then like can't cross a finish line against DRX? Like, how how are these two things, like, what your week looks like? How How is that, like, how I sum up a week of a professional team's play. <laughs> also, I do have to take a moment here because it was Morgan. Because uh, remember when Morgan donated the pentakill, uh, and he was he was such a bro giga chat about it. And then in this match, Rascal refused to give the pentakill to Henna. What a bitch Rascal is! He was just <laughs> running around. He was running around outside of their base while they finished the nexus, just intentionally not giving Henna the pentakill. That's not cool, Rascal. Be more like Morgan. So, yeah, a lot of people got upset at Morgan. So maybe Rascal is like running from some <laughs> demons there. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, a lot of a lot of Korean fans were pretty mad that he gave a pentakill. Um, oh come on! It was very entertaining. The Western fans loved it. It just adds to the mystique of Lord Morgan. So like the the getting a pentakill goes on your like official record, right? And every player has a certain amount of pentakills. So if you give one, 
then it, it might create a scenario in which oh, someone give has, me a break. Pentakills I'm just are saying, still, I'm just I know, explaining but why people were upset. Pentakills are just an arb arbitrary stat anyway, because you just have to luck into them, basically. It's yeah. not a skill thing. It's like, oh, I hit the right crits. I mean, it can fight. be a skill thing, but usually it's not. I usually. hit the right crits, and my teammates just happen to not get the last hit on yeah, exactly. the kills. <laughs> like, AoE didn't happen to kill them. Instead, my yeah. auto attack as an AD carry did. So I think I think pentacles are a pretty... They're fun, but they're not a meaningful statistic for players at all. I mean, it can... Like, if you get a pentakill on, like, Viego 1v5 or something, it's pretty cool, right? But, sure. you know... If it's an eighty carry cleaning up a team fight, which it ninety nine percent of the time it is, it's like yeah. we yell Pento kill, and then it like goes on the record, and we're, and then like they get POG just by default, and then everyone's like, "You well, got a pentacle today." It also just depends <laughs> on the champions you play. Like you're gonna get a lot more pentacles if you play fucking Jinx than you or are, Zary. yeah, or Zeri than you are other eighty carries. Right? It's just gonna happen more. So if you if your team just happens to get those champions, it's gonna sway your statistics. So whatever, it's fine. Anyway, I, 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 I actually like I see both ways. Like I'm okay with Morgan giving uh giving the pentakill and being a Giga Chad bro. I also get I, I respect Rascal being like, no, I'm not giving it to you. I'm actually uh, Rascal's away. I'm a bitch. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, I, I, I respect both sides of it. <laughs> you respect the Rascal's a bitch side and also the Rascal's not a bitch side. Fine. Well, I mean look, I mean look. If you if if you don't want to give the pentakill, that's that's your right as a player. You are in control of the champion. You can control your own fate. You can deny your opponent the pentakill. Why do you care so much? Why are you calling him a bitch if you don't think pentakills are so, important? So I'm gonna that's a real your, question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip your because I want to see it because it's fun, not because I think it's an important stat. I'm gonna flip this on you by running away. He actually lost definitively lost the game because they were attacking his nexus. Hmm. So, I don't think he makes is, an impact alone to stop them from killing the Nexus. <laughs> so <laughs> he could have tried to stop them from killing the Nexus instead of just running away from giving a pentakill down the mid lane. So there you go. Isn't, All right. it, 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 he was definitively not trying to win in that circumstance. He could have also just sat in the fountain and done nothing. <laughs> but... uh yeah, I mean, I guess he probably couldn't have because he was kind of out there. He wouldn't have been able to get home. <laughs> he had to run. But all right, well, enough about that. Um, yeah. uh, what other topics or teams do we want to talk about? We should probably touch on Gen G because they play Live Sandbox next um, to finish the round robin. Yeah, and they are overwhelmingly likely to be nine and zero. But at the same time, in the same way that Breon is not a two and six team. Genji should not be a not an eight and zero team right now. This team has, to their credit, been able to team fight their way back from the brink on several occasions and had a good meta read. I love seeing Peanut returning to the poppy, which is something that I really enjoyed watching him play last year. And like I said, the the early game flash shenanigans are something that I deeply adore about this team. But at the same time, some of their early laning phases have gone badly enough that. Probably another team should have been able to snowball more wins against them. They arguably should have lost the first series they played against T1 uh, in week one of competition. And they just haven't had that unbeatable aura that they had in summer of last year. Yeah, they, they, they certainly do not. Um, I, I'm liking some of the stuff I'm seeing for them. Like, I really like Doran's Renekton, like how he's team fighting with Renekton. I yes, think it, not just, how he's laning with no, Renekton, though. No, not no, how he's no. laning. So I was going to say, like, it, it, his, his laning phase is fine until he tries to kill people. He needs to be like, you know the lobsters they have at the supermarket with, like, the rubber bands on their claws? <laughs> like, somebody just needs to rubber band his claws so, he's, so he doesn't get turret aggro. <laughs> like, just prevent him from getting turret aggro, because the second he gets in turret range, man, that's when he decides he's gonna he's just going to die under the enemy turret. And give a solo kill. He's just a moth to the turret flame. <laughs> but his team fighting has been really good. Uh, yes, and that's the unfortunate thing, is if he actually just played like a normal top laner, like if he just played like not to kill the enemy laner and then fail, he has CS leads oftentimes. He's doing well in that regard, but he's not actually... He's trying to get further leads instead of just being okay with having a pretty decent lead and then doing the right thing later on. And something that Doran has always been famous for, you look back to even the finals um, where he played Gragas to a great um, 
the weak side um, in that series where he's just like sitting up there taking the aggro and uh, turning solo kills around the opposite, doing the anti Doran. Um, he he doesn't get resources from his team very often, and then he does big things in the in the fights, and like that's still true even though he's giving his opponent sometimes weird advantages. It, it hasn't always translated to that being a big deal. So I'm kind of like almost becoming a Doran defender right now. Because he just keeps making big impact in team fights, um, and like his Renekton play was really good this last week outside of lane, uh, and then Pays, he's just insane. So even when Chovy's having an off day, even when Peanut, you you can't always trust. Like I'm kind of trusting him this week. Like he had a pretty good week. I think this team, like you said, 100, percent they're not an eight, they shouldn't be an 8-0 team. I do agree. Like they definitely, like I feel like stole that win against KT. Like it felt like KT weren't playing. Not that they like actually stole it, but KT shut down after the pause. Right, that series stopped being competitive after game one. Then you had the Breon series. You had the the close series against T1 early on in the season. That like yeah, both the T1 and the won. KT wins happened in the same in the same week. Yeah. So, and they haven't had you know another top. Obviously, they haven't had another top three opponent since that point in time. I I I want to feel like this team is definitely top two for sure. Like I think there's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. a huge gap between them and T1, and and also then D plus and Hanwa because I'm putting T1 in that tier list right now with them. A lot of people put them above. I'm I'm not ready to do that yet, but the there are warning signs and symptoms here of Gen G. Like potentially, no, I'm not saying they're gonna bomb, but. This does not look like it's going to be a perfect season. And I think that right now, I put KT at second in my uh, after week one preds. And now I'm kind of regretting not putting them in first because I think KT is going to pass them. I think it is inevitable if they continue to play the way that they are, Gen GR, and KT don't drop off. Because KT also showed this week, just talk about them for like a very brief moment, that they can play this new meta. Like they played both the rel, they played the anti rel very well. They played the Alistair compositions. They know how to play Tristana. BDD's he's down with that. So, I mean, they're ready. They like that was the one question mark for me for KT. Is like, okay, we're shifting into a different meta. Can you keep up with that? And they absolutely did in both play and draft. So, I think Genji is going to get passed by KT if if this continues. Yeah, and as we talked about last week, Aiming continues to have, you know, some standout performances, which is nice to see. Oh, by the way, guys, I do have to apologize. Last week, I pulled up last split stats on Aiming, so that was my bad when I was talking about him. I accidentally pulled up the spring split stats. So oh. uh, that's that. That's what was going on last week. Uh, if you guys are curious, uh, I will not do that again uh, when I'm talking about Aiming next time. But he continues to, to do really well. Um, one of the things that's been kind of I guess, well, I will use the word fun to see has been the rise of the AP hybrid Kaisa build with Static Shiv and Ginsu's Rageblade and Nasher's Tooth, which is now kind of becoming a shout out to what AP Kaisa was last year when Faker famously started playing it, where you do get the insane void seeker on the low cooldown that is just absolutely blasting people with plasma procs from long range and all of the the ap damage and as we saw especially if you guys are watching the gen g versus breon game one when when the kaisa gets to full build holy moly with the rabadon's death cap holy moly that will take out half the hp bar of an affilios or an azir in one shot and it's on like a three second cooldown if it hits and if you go ludens as well you start to be able to chain that into further poke and you have additional burst damage so um i mean we're seeing a lot of different builds and the mythic comes in very late um some people are building Ludens. Other people are just going straight Death Cap and just skipping the Mythic entirely for a while. The I mean, Ludens I think Ginsu is much better for the skirmishing, just because you do get more of the the plasma procs, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's better. It's straight up better for like being an AD carry in a team fight, right? Um, and the on hit effects. But I I'm looking at AP Kaisa, and it's related to aiming, right? Because he was the AD carry who was playing AP Kaisa last year the most successfully is the most famous for playing it. Um, you know, we had like Faker played at mid, like you said, and Faker kind of popularized it in solo queue, but it was a um, great time to be an aiming fan. Then now it's like, oh yeah, aiming was really good at AP Kaisa. It's back. That's also good for KT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, aiming just continues to, to really perform and, and the, the cause the dreaded cause fall off. It hasn't happened yet. He's, he's just still playing well. 
<laughs> he just keeps playing well. He just keeps winning. And, He's really good. I mean, KT did have a, a, a soft schedule against Guangdong and, and Nongshim. And again, like we said, they have two games against Brian, which are probably harder than Guangdong and Nongshim, in my opinion, uh, next week. And it, it will be a while until we actually see it. it. It'll be three weeks till we see KT versus Genji and KT versus D plus in the same week. So we've, we've got a lot of time. So the schedule is going to continue to be soft and we'll have to see how KT adapts because we kind of just expect them to roll over all of their opponents for the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll be talking about KT a lot if they don't four zero bro um, next week, but it won't be for the right reasons. <laughs> Well, you know what's interesting also, Wolf, is that, you know, the KT versus Genji series might decide who ends up in first place in LCK because right now KT's only one game behind, even though they actually have a match loss. They're at plus 12 and Genji's at plus 13. So if they split, you know, if they split the series and Genji gets their first loss against KT, that's an opportunity for KT to really uh, leapfrog them in terms of the map score as well. Because yeah. they are just they are just that one game behind. So KT needs to focus on and Gen G as well need to focus on not only winning these series but winning them as cleanly as possible because that exactly. map differential is probably going to be pretty important. Yeah, and first place allows you to choose your opponent. For those who don't know, that's yep. the um, in the old format it meant just you went straight to the finals and the, at the top of the gauntlet. But now you get to choose your opponent um, in the double round or double uh, elimination bracket. So. It is a very significant advantage and allows you to basically make sure that you have the right opponent to allow you to go directly to the finals and skip that loser's match. So it is uh, very important. And, you know, this is something I was pointing out to people because there was a period. It's not like you said, it's not one difference for Gen G right now. But there was a moment like earlier this week where KT was actually like ahead in games. Um, and I was like, wait a minute. And I had the same realization because if Genji slip up even one time, too. Because I can't see right now KT slipping up. You know, they played T1 pretty close, right? And maybe um, something happens against D+, but I feel like KT is definitely the stronger team there. You're really only concerned about Genji and T1 right now, and then just don't mess up. Whereas Genji, they've looked a little bit more vulnerable. Even a single loss might just be, like, even if KT don't beat them, like if Genji lose to somebody else, you know, or, or multiple other play, uh, multiple other teams, they lose to D plus or something like that. And KT could just pass them in that way too. So it's uh, it's not over till it's over, and it feels like this is the first time in a while we've actually had kind of an exciting race at the top where it's not just like okay, 100% it's Genji or like 100% it's T one. Yeah, it's actually yeah. interesting this season. So yeah, a lot uh, of the league it. is not interesting, but this part is interesting. <laughs> yeah, the top part, the top part. The top, the top race it could be quite good. All I have to say about their next matchup is that now I've seen both Keen and Doran play Quinn into Renekton, and I never want to see Doran play Quinn again. The The way he was team fighting on Quinn was appalling. It was appalling, especially compared to what Keen was doing in some of those engagements by finding the flank and trying to isolate the Renekton in, before a team fight started. And then watching, watching Doran like vault into a Poppy W. So... I liked it when Doran was in the side lane in that game. I liked it when he hit the turrets. <laughs> I, I liked it when Doran's Quinn with static shiv auto attacked some turrets and cleared those minion waves super fast. I liked it um, when he hit the turrets and killed the minions. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Keen actually team fight uh, team fought like a god um, on his Quinn game. So yeah, uh, I yeah. don't think we'll be seeing it again. I. I... <laughs> I hazard to guess, I don't think we'll be seeing it again. Remember Doran's Akshan? Yeah, we didn't see it again. Oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> we, have, we have yet no! to see it again. <laughs> no! Uh, okay, well, hopefully Doran can just stick to playing Renekton, not inting in lane, and then team fighting well, because at least he's, at least he's been able to do that. Uh, yeah, any, I mean, other, any other teams you want to finish up with? Today, I, closing thoughts. I don't really have a lot to say about Kwangdong and Live Sandbox this week. They had their up and down moments. Um, I'm pretty disappointed with with DRX and Live Sandbox overall. I feel like both teams have at least DRX made some roster changes. Sure, I, I, mean, I that, will say that. We were talking about like I I know Fade exists. I've seen him, and then like actually, and he, also Juhan obviously coming in was yes. was important as well. At least they're willing to do that, but I think both of these teams have weirdly regressed 
from last season. And that means the mentality of the players or the coaching is, is is like either the coaching staff is pushing the players too hard, the players are frustrated, or the players are just like not motivated and they're not practicing and training as hard or they forgot how to play together. I don't know. It's, I mean, for DRX, I can understand it to a certain extent with the roster changes coming through. You don't have Duck Dom anymore. Yeah, who came in and the fate's back. And clearly, like, some players didn't trust in fate, so that's why he was benched, right? So then he's back. Are you happy with that? It's hard to say. Then they're bringing up an academy guy in the bottom lane instead of picking the, the MVP to carry from challengers. It's just a weird, bizarre timeline. Kind of maybe reminiscent of what we saw from Nongshim um, back in 2022. At the end of the day... Though the the team just it's not taken off like it's still grounded on the runway and live sandbox which was for a long time in spring a third place team is like I don't even want to have a conversation about playoffs with this team right now um so I have to say Wolf I I did not watch the live sandbox games this past week uh, because they played uh, Guangdong and DRX. And I'll I was do not it. interested in this. Case. I'll just tell you right now. Just, <laughs> well, you can it. tell you me about what happened. <laughs> just don't don't do it. Um, I was I, I am sad though because uh, especially watching this team be on the up and up last year with some of these same players, and then obviously losing Prince to FlyQuest, and uh, that really hasn't worked out for either team. Gotta say, although FlyQuest did go three and zero this last week, so that there were signs of life. It the was early. working out for a while, um, <laughs> but Ted, you know Teddy. Teddy, I, I had hopes that Teddy coming back would do something, but it really just hasn't done anything. Yeah. I mean, look, Teddy's not the problem. The team's coordination is, it's all over the place. Their their decision-making is poor, and I don't know who's who's at fault, so to speak, but the, the shot calling needs to exist or be better, um, basically, because it, it doesn't feel like that's happening at all. The DRX Live Sandbox series, because they both played against each other and they both did not look great. Like, it was not a, a let's just say it was not a great showcasing for either team. Um, it was an exciting series, let's say that, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really that interested in them. Bro has, like, given us some exciting stuff, right? They've shown yeah, us some yeah. strong early games. Nongshim, yeah, strong early games, you know, winnable scenarios, like competitive games, and weird picks, too, from, yeah. from, from Bro. So they've been fun to watch, at the very least. And Nongshim also has kind of done their own style of drafting, too, and they had that great game against T1, and they're looking a little bit interesting. So, But at least for, like, Bro and Nongshim, they're at the bottom of the standings, and they're still trying things, and they're still impressing me, whereas the two teams above them before playoffs are, like, the teams that aren't, doing cool stuff and aren't impressing me and aren't growing and improving or worse versions of their previous selves. So yeah, I mean, that's, this is like, I know a lot of people are really upset when we don't talk about the, the lower teams on the show. We talked about bro a lot today, but like it, it's tough to talk about these teams without really just saying negative things. And like when they, when they do something that, like peaks our interests, you know, maybe we'll talk about them a little bit more. Well, yeah, I think it was a good week to talk about Brian because they actually did some good stuff this week. And we talked about DRX the week before that. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> we get there. <laughs> we, we get around to them. Uh, maybe we'll talk more about Live Sandbox this coming week. They play Gen G. Uh, there aren't actually that many good games coming up this next week. There's T1 versus Gen G, which is obviously a banger. Uh, I'll be watching, of course, both of the KT versus Breon matchups because as much as I find it annoying they're playing the back, back, back to back, I do like seeing how teams adapt against each other that quickly when we get to see both series on the same patch with a day in between to kind of adjust. So the mind games can be pretty interesting there, and I, I, I will yeah. enjoy watching those. And then also, you know, Genji versus Live Sandbox will be another one that, that may be worth watching. And, and one of the things I have my like finger on the pulse of is D Plus's week because they theoretically have an easy week in Guangdong into DRX, but if they slip up in either of those matchups, that's that's very concerning. I don't think they will, but let's see let's see how they do. Um, because I, I want to see, because they obviously had a, a tough week this week with T1 and Hanwa. They beat Hanwa because Hanwa had Grizzly, but let's see if they can carry some of that momentum. Obviously, losing to T1 is unfortunate, especially considering T1's current form, but... Maybe this week gives them a little bit more momentum back, gives them some opportunity to experiment more with their drafting. Um, and I hope it's a strong week for D+. I hope they can pick up the two wins that they, they should realistically hope to get without any hiccups, without any setbacks. Um, because if they have any setbacks, then, you know, it, it's not good for their chances of going to Worlds, let's say. 
I, I mean, this is the time to strike, right? This is the time for them to strike uh, because if they want to get ahead in the standings and make a case for themselves in playoffs, like they took a win against Hanwa, which evened up their match score in the past week. And they need to get the easy wins where they can get them because I don't think they're going to be taking out the top three under current conditions. I, I do agree. And I, I hope they deliver because it's a strong team has great players. They need to figure it out. I want to see, I want to see Deft at Worlds again. You know, could be his last year, at least for a while. He said he might return to to pro play if he has does have to take a break because of military service. He wants to come back even after that. We'll see what happens. But um, I want to see him have an opportunity to play in front of the Korean fans, right? Because obviously, when he won the Worlds, it was in America. Worlds is in Korea this year. I just want them to be good because I fucking love. Canyon and Showmaker and Deft, and I love watching them play, and I want to see them play well at an international competition, and that's the frustrating part, is that they just can't get their shit together. It's a bummer. All right, guys. That's all we got for this week. We'll hit you up next week with all of the KT versus Brian and Genji versus T1 analysis and conversation, and we'll kind of sum up the first round robin that happened to LCK. See you then. <laughs>